Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. And the Kingdom of God is a spiritual place, but it's also a physical place because it is the Kingdom of God at hand. It's for the living. It's not just for the dead. It's not for just when after you die, you're going to go to some pie-in-the-sky retirement community where you're going to be happy and happy and happy forever and ever and ever. That's not what the kingdom of God was about. That's, Jesus almost mentioned nothing about that throughout his uh, campaign as king of Judea, which is really what he was. He came. To be the king of Judea, but not to be the king like a lot of people wanted to think. A lot of people wanted to be a ruler and throw out the Romans and, you know, make everything good again. And the reality is you can't make things good again unless the people are good again. (laughs) So that's why Jesus came to call you to repentance. John the Baptist came to call you to repentance. And repentance means thinking a different way. And unfortunately, a lot of people today that think they're Christians are thinking a way that is contrary to Christ. And it's creating conflict in the world. And the world is coming into conflict with real Christians. Uh, There are lots of people who don't really know what Christianity is about, and yet they think they're Christians. And so we're going to look at some things that are going on in the world so that you can see if you're of the spirit of the world or of the spirit of Christ. Because those two spirits are not compatible. Because the spirit of the world is not one who gives life but takes life away. It's not one who sets you free but brings you into bondage. But the spirit of Christ sets you free. And one of the things that sets you free is forgiveness. I've seen, you know, uh, and I think I will continue to see in the recent uh, past as well as in the uh, near future... We will uh, uncover a certain amount of the fact that people are often trying to fight what they consider to be the enemy. And uh, they are not doing it from a point of view of forgiveness. They are trying to resist evil. They are trying to fight against evil. And the way to fight against evil is to seek the good, seek the righteousness in everything, in every aspect of your life. That's the way you fight evil. You don't fight evil by pitting yourself against evil itself. So if someone is uh, harassing you, poking at you, making trouble, uh, trying to control or manipulate you, you don't get angry at them. If you do get angry, if you do get upset, you do get resentful, then you are falling prey to the evil. You don't get rid of darkness by cursing it. You get rid of darkness by turning on the light, by opening up your eyes. And that's that's a very important tactic in fighting evil today in the world. And there's a lot of it moving around in the world. I mean, hell is emptying out and all the demons are here. But anyway, the topic I've I've told some people, uh, mentioned on Facebook, uh, because that's where I first posted recent news, there was... uh, uh, battle in subcommittees as we talked last uh, week that uh, uh, about 
a new bill coming up, HB 3063, which is uh, in Oregon, and it's passed in Oregon. Uh, it hasn't passed the Senate yet, but it's making this progress through committees and subcommittees, and uh, it is considered, and I quote here, the most restrictive legislation to pass in any state ever. And it has to do with mandatory vaccinations. You know, just the idea that it's okay to force everybody to receive any kind of medical treatment should be just absolutely abhorrent or absurd and devoid of thinking. But people think, oh, wait, we have to do it. We're going to take a look at why you don't have to do it, why it's a bad idea. And we're going to just look at the facts, look at statistics, and let you make your own choices. And there's a real element fighting against this information, which is available. Actually, there's a lot more information available, but it, the the powers that be are keeping it a secret. They won't let it out. They won't let it be examined. And uh, people who are called anti-vaxxers, and a lot of the people that I've been listening to are not anti-vaxxers but they're anti-mandatory vaccination and they have some very good reason these are these are doctors uh these are these are people who have uh looked into it in great depth have personal knowledge of it uh many of them administer vaccines on a regular basis but they know that there are certain elements of the population that are vulnerable more vulnerable to vaccine side effects than other members of society. They would be put in uh, grave danger if you had mandatory vaccinations. And there are repercussions to mandatory vaccinations to everyone, even those people who get vaccinations. And we'll, we'll take a look at some of that before we're done. This is really a part of our salvation series. So we're really looking at this vaccination thing in order to get a perspective on what salvation really is. Because Christ came that you might be saved. And I'm afraid that, and this is what Christ said, that there's going to be a lot of people who think they're saved, think they're following Christ, and are actually workers of iniquity. And it's very important for us to understand how to tell that apart, to find out if we are deluded. We're under one of those strong delusions that we see the Bible talking about, where we think we're saved and we're actually workers of iniquity. And Christ will say, get ye from me. Because you're workers of iniquity. How do you know if you're a worker of iniquity? You're, you're not going to know by going to a lot of churches today. Because a lot of the churches today are really cults. And uh, they are a part of what would be called the Roman imperial cult. Back in the days of Jesus Christ. They would actually be fighting against Jesus Christ. But there is a false gospel. Which we were told would would crop up everywhere. That is out there saying that if you believe this, this, and this, and this. Then you're saved. And it's not true. And they they present kind of viable arguments that you are saved if you believe this, this, and this, and this. But if you really study the scriptures instead of depend upon pastors and, uh, you know, the what the Bible would call brutish pastors, uh, for your understanding of the Bible, you won't get it. And you may not get some of the things we're going to tell you about vaccinations and the law, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. And how the systems of the world work and how they work against Christ and how they can actually work for Christ if Christ is in you. And uh, so anyway, uh, the bill, like I said, that was passed uh, by a committee uh, with an amendment 
which was Amendment 13. That's, that's for you numerologists out there, that, that may be a sign in itself. But we're going to actually take a look at some of the amendment, what it means, as well as some of the other things that are coming about in the bill and why this is considered the most restrictive legislation to pass in any state ever. Now, Rome had universal health care for a while. They had lots of laws that were coming up and that was pre- predicting their fall. That they would they would eventually head towards um, total totalitarian dictatorship. 150 years before Christ, this was pointed out. You know, 100 years before the first emperor of Rome, there were very astute people that were telling people the courses that they were choosing to take in society, individually, in society, was going to alter society and bring about despotism and eventually destruction. And they were 100% right, because that's what eventually happened. And Christ came during the midst of that process. John the Baptist was out there preaching against the use of force to provide the welfare of society. That was the essential element of Christ, uh, of John the Baptist's preaching, that you were to take care of one another through charity, not through force. Today, it is commonly accepted that, yeah, that's the way you take care of people is you force them to contribute, you borrow money against the future of your children. And, of course, Proverbs tells you, no, that's not the way to do it. Uh, The Old Testament tells you, no, that's not the way to do it. Jeremiah tells you, that's not the way to do it. John the Baptist told you, Jesus told you, Peter told you, Paul told you, John told you, that you, you cannot take care of the needy through force. You need to take care of the needy through what was called pure religion, which was a religion of charity. Because if you will not depend upon charity, you will become, you will re-enter the bondage of Egypt. You will uh, go back in, away from the salvation of Christ in this world and the next. You, you will actually, the Bible tells us, you will actually be blinded so you cannot see the truth. Now, a lot of people don't see the truth because nobody's ever told them. And so that's what we're going to try to do is tell you a little bit about the truth. And eventually we're going to touch on the long-range repercussions of seeing the truth and denying the truth. Because if you deny the truth about one aspect of reality, the, the reality around you, if you deny some of that reality, it will darken your eyes and you will not see other things that you need to see. Other things that may bring destruction to you, your family, your society... If you, the more you're not willing to see about yourself, the more vulnerable you are to the elements of destruction. Because ultimately, this battle between good and evil, light and darkness, life and death, one, those that are moving towards death are doing things that, you know, like they'll, they'll uh, go and shoot up a bunch of people or kill a bunch of people and then they'll kill themselves. That's a sign that they're, they are, have fallen prey to the spirit of destruction. And other people who sacrifice their life and, uh, so you, you have an element in the world that somebody was bringing up, you know, that people are armed, uh, people have guns in America to defend themselves against tyranny. Most of the people who have arms in America to defend themselves against tyranny are closer to the tyrant than to Christ. 
And they may think they're Christians, but they're actually closer to the tyrant than to Christ. Now, there are some people who are armed and are closer to Christ. But uh, Christians were always in the minority in Rome. There were going to be uh, a minority in Babylon, going to be a minority in, you know, Babylon the Great. But they are, you know, kind of like the uh, Fellowship of the Ring. They they will be victorious even though they're in the minority. But you, I, I, I want you to be over there on the Christian side and not on the fake Christian side. So anyway... So we're going to take a look at this item 13 in the amendment just to see what spirits are writing these things. <laughs> and are you a part of those spirits? And then then we're going to take a look at why this is really such a bad idea. Because if you think mandatory vaccines are good and that they will protect you and provide for the greater good, you are mistaken. And we're going to show you why you're mistaken. And uh, if you're courageous enough and humble enough to take a look at the facts, which are all around you in lots of different forms, then maybe you can wake up to other facts about salvation that you have not been willing or not been able or not had the opportunity to see. Now, everybody's coming from a little bit different place, but... You know, where you're at spiritually is not always obvious by going into your modern church. Because the modern church, for the most part, we have articles up on this that show you, are not doing what the early church were doing. They're actually doing the contrary to the early church. They're even doing contrary to what Christ said. There's good people in there, decent people. There, But there are people that are led astray by false gospel. And, of course, that was all prophesied. You know that was all prophesied. The question is, what you don't know is whether you're on the wrong side of that prophecy. So, anyway, one of the first items that is in this section 13 is it allows for non-vaccinated and partially vaccinated access to virtual online public schools. However, the catch is that there is a capacity load. That doesn't even cover half of the students this legislation will prohibit from school. These students will be restricted greatly in their interaction with others. Well, what does that mean? Interaction with others. They can't go to school. If you don't get the, of all the vaccines up to date according to the statutory uh, schedules, you're not going to be able to go to school. Enter a school building. Uh, you're you're not going to be able to uh, go to. Uh, let's let's take a look at some of these things. Uh, I've got the numbers here. Let's see. Not only will non-vaccinated or partially vaccinated students be prohibited from enrolling in public, private, or charter schools, it will prohibit them from physically stepping foot on any public or private property that holds a school activity or children's activity. Uh, I mean, you literally could be thrown out of restaurants. <laughs> now, how will they know that you aren't fully vaccinated? Well, this is the things that they're coming up with is uh, the idea that you, you're not going to get ID. You may not get driver's license. You may not get, you can't work in hospitals because that's a, that's a public place. 
you may not even be allowed in hospitals eventually <laughs> if you don't have all your vaccinations. I mean, they do that now for workers. So, you know, where this ends, and the, the, the big thing that we talked about last week in one of the preliminary votes, and we had a guest on that was actually one of the voters, it was 9 to 30. 9 to 30 with one abstination. There was uh, 40 people there in the committee all together. 30 people were for forcing everybody to get vaccinated completely up to date. Now, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about vulnerability because we know there are adverse reactions that are right there on the, uh, the sheets for vaccinations that all kinds of bad things can happen. Doesn't happen to everybody, but there is more and more evidence as to who would be vulnerable. Are your children one of those vulnerable ones? There's actually things to look for that will tell you whether or not your children might be more vulnerable than the average child. Most vaccine vaccine injuries are go undetected. You never know that your child was vaccine injured. It's only the extreme cases where you see, I mean, like death. I mean, obviously, if you get a shot and 48 hours later your children die, that's probably a vaccine injury. Most of those vaccine injuries, which amount to billions and billions of dollars in settlements through the government, not through the vaccine companies because they're immune. That's one thing. They made sure they were immune to being sued. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I chuckle at this, but I, I, I laugh in the face of evil because God is on my side. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not afraid of the evil. I know the evil is dangerous, but I know Christ is, is really the answer. And if you would get Christ, the real Christ on your side, not the imaginary delusional Christ that a lot of people look to, then you might be saved too. Because that's what he says. He came that you might be saved. But you got to get Christ on your side. And the way to do that is to get on the side of Christ. And the way to do that is to get on the side of righteousness. But anyway, so uh, children's uh, facilities or facilities means certified child care. Can't get child care anymore. Facilities as described in ORS 329A.030. And I can go out and give you a bunch of other numbers. Except as exempt by rules of Oregon Health Authority. In other words, I mean, there's a lot of places you're not going to be able to take your kids anymore. So it's, you know, certified child care facilities, uh, schools or post-secondary institutions where care is provided to children six weeks of age and over. So this is an ongoing thing. It, it goes all the way up to universities. Your kids won't be let into universities if if you're eventually, you know, if there was any kind of an outbreak, which there will be an outbreak under mandatory vaccinations, and we'll show you why there will be an outbreak of diseases under mandatory vaccinations. I mean, right now, it's it's well documented. It's not a secret. You can actually find this out in the news. You probably won't hear it even, you know, on Fox News or any of these, uh, certainly not on CNN. But there, there's been an outbreak of polio in Syria. And an outbreak of polio in the Congo. And this goes on worldwide. The interesting thing is that polio outbreaks that we're talking about, where children are being crippled, you know, they're even dying. The the strain of polio that is the outbreak is all coming from the vaccinations. 
Uh, I used to think that the oral vaccinations weren't as dangerous, and evidently now the statistics are showing that the oral vaccination, the the one of the problems with uh, the uh, intermuscular vaccinations, you know, the shots uh, for polio, is that they only give you localized immunity immunity in your body, and that's an actual gut uh, bacteria that gets into your body. Uh, most people will get more into the immunity. I mean, they're they're whole sections of population that are completely immune, lifetime immunity, to every single strain uh, known to man of polio. They're just automatically immune. But you go to other parts of the world and they're not immune. And you bring that polio virus into their midst and you endanger them because they're not immune yet. They'll get immune if they survive the first onset of the disease, but some people don't have very strong immune systems because they've lived very isolated lives, which is why one of the contributing factors, and we'll look at that too, that, you know, like whole villages of Inuit died out from polio. There were a lot of other extenuating circumstances, but they, the Inuits had lived isolated lives for centuries, and their immune system was not as strong as it needed to be. And when you introduce these new diseases, they're their body is unfamiliar with that it takes sometimes a tremendous toll. And so, but the reality is polio is all around you. Uh, it's, you know, in the United States, you know, during the polio epidemics, it was around everywhere. 95 to 98% of the people in the United States during these polio outbreaks that were exposed to polio, which was a lot developed lifetime immunity and never knew that they were even exposed because it was totally asymptomatic. There there were no symptoms. They saw no symptoms whatsoever. 95 to 98%. By the time the vaccine came out, most of the people who received the vaccine were already immune. They just didn't know it. Nobody tested to see if they were immune or not. And that's that was actually why polio had gone down so much. But again, we'll look at more at that. But now they're, everybody's still afraid of things like polio and all this stuff. Most people are immune to polio without the vaccination. Most people were immune to polio before the vaccination even came out. The number of cases had dwindled and dwindled and dwindled and had gone way down for a variety of reasons. Uh, you had really already reached herd immunity before the vaccine even came out. But everybody wants to attribute the, you know, the, uh, end of polio to the vaccine when the reality is that there isn't a correlation because we see clearly that the vaccine had already, uh, I mean, the, the threat of polio had already diminished to almost nothing. There was actually in 1961, there was a rise in polio cases. And this was after the vaccine. But I can show you in congressional records, testimony of Salk himself uh, that says that that rise in polio in 1961 was almost entirely from the vaccine itself, which was giving people polio, which is what is happening in the Congo and Syria. That's all by way of the vaccine. But anyway, that's that's facts. I can't do anything about it. We'll be back. So anyway, we were briefly going through some of the places that you will be excluded and your children will be excluded. And it's almost any place that people gather, <laughs> you know, you Places where you are allowed to peaceably assemble. Uh, this can actually even affect, and it's mentioned, churches. 
your child may not be physically go may not physically go into any property of a church as uh, also contains a licensed daycare or preached uh, or preschool or private school. Uh, where are other places that people gather? Well, airports. Uh, will you have to have vaccine certification, not just for children, but for adults? Because most vaccine immunity, or many, uh, yeah, I'd say most vaccine immunities are, are maybe only seven to ten years. Uh, some don't even last that long and require boosters. Sometimes annual boosters. This is for every man, woman, and child in the United States eventually if this goes into the U.S. legislature. And you think it won't happen? Well, it's happening. Now, Washington had this. It was voted in Congress in Washington, but it was recently just voted down by the Senate. But we're talking not very high margins. You know, in these committees, if you have 30 people voting to create this mandatory vaccination system and only nine voting against it, that's not a good sign. You know, I, I mentioned that to somebody just the other day and pointed it out and they they gave me that deer in the headlights look again where they like, wow, <laughs> that's amazing because your minds are being taken over by ideas that are really not compatible with Christ. And And what we're seeing here in this attempt to force everybody you won't be able to get on airplanes eventually you won't be able to get on buses eventually you won't be able to take public transportation you may not be able to walk down the street that that for those students who do enroll in online school which the public will only give you you know a little bit of access a very limited access to because of the fact that they only have facilities for so many so you homeschoolers are going to have to start coming together and creating online schools where your kids can be at home and isolated because this is what they're, they're they actually state this can sit at home and isolated uh, in isolation but they cannot participate in any face to face gathering with classmates including field trips etc so field trips, what? You can't get on buses. You can't get on planes. You can't gather in public places. Will you be allowed in the mall? Will you be allowed in the grocery stores? It can happen where they can exclude you from all these places. You're going to have to show ID and you can't get the ID without the vaccination. These things have been proposed. I'm not just reading this from some script of some, you know, uh, science fiction movie. These are what is being proposed all across the United States and even going to be uh, brought up now And because the bills are already written. They were already written before the measles outbreak. Another thing, there was a measles outbreak in Washington. 49 uh, cases uh, were reported. And so they were afraid that they were going to start showing up in Oregon. And so the news came out that there were like four cases already and and they were mentioning certain places where people might have been exposed. And and so a doctor had somebody come into his office that had some of the symptoms of measles. So they were going to take a culture and send it into the health department to have it tested. Uh, this is a well-known doctor. And he was going to have it tested to see if this is a measles case. And they said, don't send it. They said there has been no 
verified cases of measles in Oregon. This is, you know, the, the, this is, it was completely hyped up by the media. Why? Why are these things hyped up by the media? Because people have an agenda and they have public relations people that want to get these passed. This is going to be billions of dollars in value to pharmaceutical companies if they they create this mandatory vaccination. So what are the uh, other repercussions besides your tax dollar your tax dollars at work? Governor Brown has, you know, this was not to go into effect according to the bill the way it was set up till August 1st, 2020. That's when it would uh, uh currently be enrolled students uh would be affected by August 1st, 2020. But Governor Brown has stated that she will push this through as an emergency. So there's her state of emergency and apply it uh, July 1st, 2019. So that's not so far away. <laughs> that's just months away. So if you if you want to avoid this, you need to get a hold of your legislatures right away and stop them from passing it, at least temporarily. But this is this is what's happening. So. Uh, the the wording in the bill will allow for that, and she has stated that she w- uh, is intending to do just that. So all these restrictions could fall upon you rather quickly, and uh, like I say, there's even evidence that they're putting this uh, together uh, in other places. Now, uh, a doctor actually here in Oregon has done a personal study amongst his. He didn't do the study. He hired an independent firm to look at the facts. He happens to have a number of people that come to his clinic. He vaccinates all the time. But he has a number of uh, people that come to his clinic that do not get any vaccinations. And uh, about 715 uh, are non-vaccinated people at all. So, you know, I could ask you, what, what are the statistics concerning autism? Now, everybody will say, oh, autism, vaccines don't cause autism. Well, why? Do you have any proof of that? No, you actually don't, and nobody else does either. We know that in 1970, that one in 10,000 children would get autism. Well, that's not very many. One in 10,000, that's hardly anybody. In 1975, one in 5,000 would get autism. 1985, one in 2,500 would get autism. By 1995, one in 500 would get autism. Well, that's... That's getting to be a lot of people, one in 500. Well, by 1913, or excuse me, 2013, uh, one in 50 get autism. That's plague proportions. That's, uh, you know, polio, only one, you know, well, actually, maybe two or three people out of 100 people exposed to polio virus would show any symptoms whatsoever. We're not even talking paralysis. We're just talking about a fever, uh, sore throat, maybe uh, some diarrhea. You know, it looked like a cold. Uh, and we're talking just a few percentage. One, uh, two, three people in a hundred. And then there was only a small fraction of those people that would experience any kind of paralysis. And much of that paralysis would be overcome within the first six months or a year. So actually, the statistics of autism are far outweigh the statistics that we were seeing with polio. It's far more uh, children are getting autism today. That it's a plague. 
And it happens. And so what is causing the plague? Well, of those 715 children that had no vaccinations whatsoever, although were constantly being in contact with kids who did get vaccinations, and we know that a lot of children who get vaccinations now, just like I said, in the Congo and, and places like Syria, are actually spreading disease that causes the high fever, that can cause the brain damage, that can cause autism. I mean, it's not just the chemicals that might be in vaccinations, but it can just be fevers. That's why way back in the 70s, you could get one in 10,000 that would get autism. Uh, it's actually believed by a number of uh, researchers that FDR never had polio. They had high fevers. He got real sick and he got polio symptoms, but they, they're not sure that he ever got polio. And you'd probably have to dig him up in order to find out. But, uh, uh, but he could have been exposed to polio later on and had polio and never showed any symptoms. Just because, you know, I can show you on Egyptian tombs, guys who have symptoms, uh, you know, where they draw the people on the tomb. They're, they're, have a crutch and they, their leg looks like a classic polio case. Polio's been around for a long, long time. But when we had large numbers of population moving about, uh, people would be exposed to strains they weren't familiar with. But it's very clear that many of these diseases from influenza to polio, polio is a waterborne disease usually, uh, were getting uh, exposed because of the fact that people were moving around. You know, like you, you bring immigrants from a country that has one set of diseases, they can bring those diseases into your country, which was the whole reason why Ellis Island was uh, created, was to look for certain elements of tuberculosis and some of the other contagious diseases that you would turn people back because they were, it was for the greater good. It was endangering people by bringing these diseases into your country. And I can see that to some degree. I don't really think that's the solution. The solution is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But people have a right to protect them. So that's why you get to have a front door on your house. You get to lock the door so that dangerous people are not coming in and going without your say-so. Whether it's sickness or they're carrying guns or what have you. Uh, so anyway, I can tell you stories about that. Uh, but so... You know, that was back in 2013, 1 in 50. Of these people that were, had received no vaccination, there was only one case of autism. You know, so that, that's, that's a huge, that's a huge difference. That, that you had this one in, uh, I was going to look for the actual, one in 715 amongst non-vaccinated. He had another group that were partially vaccinated. They didn't receive all the vaccinations uh, because some really are, you know, hepatitis B. Why in the world is your infant child getting hepatitis B? Hepatitis B, you get that from dirty needles and sexual intercourse with people that are infected. I mean, you, you don't get it because somebody sneezed on the bus. So why in the world is your infant child getting hepatitis B if you are you don't have the disease. You can test to see whether or not you have the hepatitis B in you. If you don't have it, where are they going to get it? <laughs> it's not likely they'll get it at all. And you're you're pumping them. You know, in, in that vaccine alone, there's five times the aluminum than is allowed for an adult. 
I mean, there's like 250, what is it, micrograms or, yeah, micrograms, I think it is, in, in that vaccine. And an adult should only receive 50. And so why are you giving that vaccine? So there's a lot of vaccines you don't need. But according to this bill, you have to have everything up to the schedule that they say. And that schedule can be constantly changing. And like I, I just said, and I could show you countless studies that vaccines, being vaccinated, can cause you to slough, to not only get the uh, the disease, as we're seeing in, in many countries, uh, it can you will shed that virus, and other people around you will become exposed to that virus that would not have been exposed before. Herd immunity has to do with just like sixty percent of the people in your community. If they have natural immunity, especially natural immunity as opposed to vaccine immunity, you 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 really have herd immunity already. Just sixty percent. Uh, they have ninety percent vaccination rates now for many diseases, and yet they say, "Oh, no, we need even more in order to attain herd immunity." Well, the reason why is because vaccines don't work for everybody. And they, they aren't going to give you herd immunity because some of, some of the vaccines only have like five to, uh, to 10% effectiveness. Some vaccines. Some have higher degrees. But none of them claim 100% effectiveness. And because we're not all the same. And this is why some children are more vulnerable than other children. Like I said, we'll get into some of the things to look for to find out if your child is more vulnerable. But, you know, if you're seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you have to care about the next child as much as you care about your own. Unfortunately, a lot of people think that the way we do that is we get mandatory vaccinations because they think vaccinations are their salvation. And the statistics and the studies and the evidence show that no, it's not. And we're going to look at some of them. I want to quote them. And we've already put some of them up on our page at Preparing You on Vaccines. And we'll probably put more. There have been a number of people putting together some information. I put a, a lot of stuff there. But other people have been putting stuff there. And um, and you can check these out. You know, I'm putting in the footnotes so you can go look at where did he get that from, you know. And we're talking, we're quoting peer-reviewed papers. We have uh, links to a lot of other people who talk about this. I mean, like Susan Humphreys. She talks a lot about this. She's a doctor. She's really a researcher. She's a very bright woman. But sometimes, you know, if you listen to her interviews and her lectures, she go, it may go over the head of a lot of people. So we've tried to put, you know, this stuff together so you can just look at it without getting too scientific. But we have stuff in the footnotes so you can go look it up. Uh, when this uh, polymyelitis uh, or poliomyelitis that uh, came out was causing problems. There was a lot of different things that went on. You know, polio was virtually unknown before the end of the 19th century, although the disease was uh, first noted in 1789. Only isolated cases surfaced until the first epidemic struck a village in France in 1885. From then on, polio gathered strength. Uh, there were epidemics in North America in 1890, in Scandinavia in 1900s, 
in the UK, in Africa, Australia. It didn't mention Brazil anywhere. <laughs> Why? Because they had polio in Brazil, all strains of polio, and all the natives were already immune. They had polio around them all the time. They didn't get sick. They had true herd immunity. You know, and again, you know, why in the Brazilian rainforest would you have that? Well, it's like, again, waterborne. Uh, all kinds of people, they didn't know what that was causing it originally when these outbreaks were taking place. And there were all kinds of outlandish uh, claims and causes of it, including cats. You know, and they, they actually like 70,000 cats were, some people say, massacred, well, put to death in 1916 during a panic in New York. Because somebody said that it's the cats that carry it. Because, you know, like bubonic plague, it was the rats and flea, but it ended up being the fleas. Some people said it was blueberries. <laughs> some people said it was milk. Now, the one author says that some people blamed uh, Italian immigrants and even sugar. Sugar was never considered a cause of polio. What it was suggested that large amounts of white processed sugar in the form of ice cream might affect your immune system so that you could not easily become immune, which most people were easily becoming immune to polio. Like I said, 95 to 98% of the people who got polio got over polio, got a lifetime immunity, and never showed any symptoms whatsoever. They never even knew they were sick. But it is, you. I can show you in a microscope, you put uh, blood in a microscope with live blood cells, red blood cells, uh, white blood cells, and other agents in it that the white blood cells would be attacking. And you can watch the white blood cells actually surround those particles and destroy them, break them down, digest them, and consume them. And that's what makes you safe. Because then with cellular communication, your body will develop a natural immunity to these foreign antigens. I can give the same person sugar, take a blood sample a few minutes later, and you will watch those white blood cells walk around like a drunken man at a party. They will not be paying attention to business. And that's just, that's just biology. You know, sugar can have that effect on your immune system temporarily. Eventually the sugar will wear off. And uh, the white blood cell will get back to business again. It won't be drunk anymore. But the reality is during that period of time, the polio may be reproducing in your cells. And uh, and it gets a head start. They actually, they actually have statistics where, you know, when they came out with the suggestion that people, uh, people con uh, consuming large amounts of uh, ice cream, I'm not saying it's extremely large amount. Ice cream was really popular during the summer, during the most vulnerable time. When people are going swimming, they go down to the rivers, they go swimming, and they have some ice cream, and they don't know it, but they've ingested polio, and their body should be fighting that polio. Instead, all their white blood cells are drunk on the sugar that they ate. They probably had a soda pop or, or something along with the sugar, you know, or maybe cotton candy was getting popular back then. Who knows? But they their sugar intake, intake rose during a time when it was probably not a good idea to raise that sugar intake. And lo and behold, they ended up with polio. 
when the scare came out that sugar was connected to this, ice cream sales plummeted in New York for a year. Whole summer. I mean, the ice cream men couldn't give their ice cream away. Oh, no, we don't want any of that because of the polio scare. Because it just swept through the people because of this article that came out suggesting that there might be some sort of correlation to the... Everybody was getting polio anyway, but they were getting over it without any symptoms. Because the polio, the sugar had nothing to do with the polio in the water or the polio connection to, to other people. But polio levels of cases dropped. There's probably the same amount of people exposed, but the symptoms dropped because nothing was compromising or very little was compromising their immune system. Immediately, ice cream people came out with articles poo-pooing this and saying this was terrible. And by the ne- and they really started a campaign by the next summer, and and the sales of ice cream went back up again. And guess what? The cases of polio went back up again <laughs> because now you were seeing this effect. Now, is that proven? Well, it is proven under a microscope that high doses, like eating a big ice cream cone of sugar and then look at your own personal white blood cells will be affected by that. Now, different people will be affected differently because different people's pancreas works differently and maybe it will keep that sugar level down in your system. But the fact that you get diabetes, that's going to affect your immune system and as uh, because of the fact it affects your blood sugar. Blood sugar is a The levels of blood sugar have a tremendous effect on your immune system. So that wasn't necessarily, you know, they say sale of ice cream plummeted during the the sugar scare. Well, yeah, and so did the cases of polio. (laughs) So, so, So there is a correlation, but correlation is not causation. But like I say, you look at if your white blood cells aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, that's causation for polio. It wasn't causing polio. But it was allowing the polio to grow in your body to reproduce. Viruses don't reproduce. That's one of the things. Viruses don't reproduce. They have no reproductive organ in a virus. It's a very simplistic little chain of molecules. Uh, It uses your system to reproduce. And that's actually, that principle is played out in your thinking. When everybody is thinking a particular way, it's going to affect most of the people around them to think in a particular way. So it's very important. The more people that wake up need to come together because in that coming together and acting upon what you're beginning to see and reveal, be revealed to you spiritually, mentally. God is writing upon your heart and your mind. You need to implement that by coming together and doing what Christ is saying. And that's what the early church was doing. They were coming together practicing pure religion. That's going to lead to you waking up more and seeing more things. You know, like measles. People worry about measles. You know, it's deadly and all this kind of stuff. Well, it was deadly at times. You know, most people recovered from it. Uh, But one of the things that will help you recover from measles is something as simple as vitamin A, cod liver oil, uh, and lots of other sources of vitamin A in your diet, especially during the time where you get measles. And it will help you recover more quickly. Uh, Vitamin C can help you recover from almost everything uh, because it's uh, an 
you know, has this, uh, it, oxygen is very important to everything. So these oxidants that they call them, um, is, it's all part of your immune system. And you, there are lots and lots of things, good diet, uh, cleaning, covering your mouth when you cough, all these things, you know, um, people weren't allowed on trams who didn't have masks during some of these, like the Spanish flu epidemic. We'll look at the Spanish flu. What vaccine cured Spanish flu? Does anybody know? Because the Spanish flu came, killed more people than the Black Plague. What, what vaccine eradicated Spanish flu? Answer, none. They never made one. <laughs> but Spanish flu came and went. What happened? Everybody got immune. Why did so many people die? Compromised immune systems. Uh, actually, a lot of people died from Spanish flu. It's it's not the same. There's lots of different factors to this. You know, poor diet, poor hygiene, crowding a large, uh, large number of people that are severely sick together in hospitals where doctors weren't even really washing their hands. This is back at, during World War One, and uh, anyway, uh, all all these. But one of the big contributing factors, and there's there's articles written about this, and they demonstrated was that bare aspirins patent on aspirin had run out i think it was in 1914 maybe wrong about that date but it's close to that period and so all kinds of businesses could now make aspirin not just bear and they started promoting aspirin as something that would help you with flu when that's absolutely the reverse and they were actually giving people what might be considered almost lethal doses for some people they were giving aspirin to people because of this, and it was causing pneumonia. And people were actually not dying of the flu, but the dying of the pneumonia. It was counted as the flu, but it was actually the pneumonia caused by excessive doses of aspirin during a time when their immune systems were compromised. Lots of other things go on. We'll take a look at some of those other things. What can you do to improve your immune system? But also, what can you do with the spirit that's rising in America? We'll be right back. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, what's the answer here? What's the solution? What 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 should we be doing? What can we do <laughs> to thwart some of this stuff? Well, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that means what the early church was doing was what you should be doing. And what they were doing was coming together and caring about one another as much as they cared about themselves. And they were practicing pure religion. They were providing all the social welfare for those people who would sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, and even people outside, evangelizing to people outside of their uh, network, to to start to walk in the way of Christ. So anyway, in one article I saw, uh, polio uh, myelitis uh, mainly affects children under five years of age. It says, one in 200 infections leads to irreversible paralysis. That's actually not true. What what they're saying is one in 200 detected infections lead to irreversible paralysis. We already showed you that 95 to 98% of the people infected don't show any symptoms. So they are not in those statistics of 200 infections. One person will show paralysis. These are detected infections. So you have to learn how to read these statistics or you can be deceived by the statistics itself. 
causes due to wild polio virus. Why do they say wild polio virus? Has, is there some polio virus that's tame? That's not wild? <laughs> well, no. There's a lot of people who get polio from the vaccination. Like I just said, Syria, all those cases in Syria, all the cases in the Congo are the result of people bringing in vaccines that are sometimes live viruses and can mutate while they're in these people spreading the polio to other people. So anyway, it says uh, decreased uh, to over 99%. So they're talking about this wild polio virus decreased to by over 99% since 1988 from the estimated 350,000 cases then to 33 reported cases in 2018. Again, why only reported cases? Because all kinds of people were getting polio. They're still getting polio, but you don't see any symptoms because they're getting natural immunity. So much so that polio was dying out because herd immunity was being established. If you had, if you had a hundred cases of actual uh, symptomatic polio, that means that you had, you know, if you have 95, the low statistic, 95 to 5 uh, ratio of asymptomatic polio, where there's no symptoms, then for every 100, you have 95 times that number <laughs> that got it and are immune and have lifetime immunity. So very quickly you're actually attaining herd immunity naturally before the vaccine even comes out. And that's what was happening. And the statistics bear that that is true. That 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 is the evidence of the statistics. You can go look on our page on vaccines and we show you the decline in polio cases. There was a rise in polio cases in 1961 after the vaccine. But again, there we have quoted testimony right there on the page that show you that Salk himself said that that almost every case in 1961 was the result of the vaccine being administered all over the country. I remember lining up for the vaccine. I got the shot and I got the, the sugar cubes because a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. <laughs> anyway, uh, with the uh, w- one other rise besides autism that we have seen with the rise in vaccinations is a rise in autoimmune diseases. And there is a lot of evidence. I mean, it's not just a rise in autoimmune problems. It is, again, pandemic proportions. And and these autoimmune problems are are killing people all across the country. And again, some of these people that are showing these symptoms, like the one in 715 that did come up with autism, we don't know that that one in 715 didn't get autism because he was exposed to people with live viruses that they obtained from vaccinations. There is just, there is a mindset to want to believe that vaccinations and the medical society in general is your salvation. But that is not the case. Uh, Righteousness, honesty, 
is your salvation. You know, here's what one person wrote. Most uh, famous victim of President Franklin D. Roosevelt, FDR, who was paralyzed supposedly by polio in 1921. And again, like I say, there is evidence that he never got polio. This was another problem. Americans raised millions of dollars in campaigns such as the March of Dimes with scant concern for tact. Fundraisers staged crippled dances and screened a film entitled The Crippler. And so people are afraid. And of course, fear is not something that should be moving you in this life. You should be moving from compassion and reason and understanding. God gave you a brain, you should use it. And, you know, that's, I mean, even the word poliomyelitis, uh, which was named back in 1847, its characteristic was inflammation of gray matter in the spinal cord. You, I don't know if you have, maybe haven't done a lot of butchering, but you see this gray material in the spinal cord. And of course, your gray matter is also called your brain. Uh, was first seen using a microscope. Uh, polio in Greek is the word for gray. Uh, myelos uh, for spinal cord. And so you get this infection in the spinal cord and this is what causes the crippling effect because it's cutting off uh, reflex and, and circulation and and all these things to a limb, and that limb doesn't properly grow. The muscles don't develop because they there's no signals causing the muscles to be used. There was somebody in Australia, I believe they were in Australia, it was a woman, and she was uh, helping people who did get polio, who did show this paralysis. They were overcoming this paralysis uh, by her helping treat these people. And basically, she was doing physical therapy. It was somebody who's been in the physical therapy uh, business for a practice for years and years and years who sent me the articles talking about, which I shared on Facebook, which led to the show. Anyway, this, uh, this woman was having this tremendous success rate of getting people who were paralyzed back on their feet, back functioning again in society. I've known numerous people, an old cowboy born in Oklahoma Territory, he got polio, never knew it, never knew he had it. And he actually even got polio so bad that he had a kind of a gimpy leg. It wasn't real bad, but it was noticeable when he went to go, go into the military in World War II. They wouldn't take him because he said, you had polio. And he says, I never knew it. Uh, and he had that bad leg all his life. But, I mean, this guy was a rootin' tootin' cowboy, Uh I mean, his stories were just amazed my children as they were growing up because he had done he had done it all. <laughs> he wasn't born. I said, I wasn't born in America. I was born in Oklahoma Territories because it was still Indian Territories when he was born. But uh, the fact is, all those things that he was doing all his life, he never let it hold him back, is why he overcame it. And this is what this lady was discovering. And when she came, she was brought to America to help uh, hospitals deal with the problem of, of cripples and that were still being crippled occasionally from polio, probably mostly from the polio they got from the vaccine because there was already herd immunity for the natural strains, the wild strains in America. Of course, there'll still be some people that get it, but again, they're getting it often because their immune systems are compromised, could be by their diet, could be by stress, could be by lots of other factors. I mean, you... 
You may have a poor immune system because of heredity. But there's even ways of turning on your immune system because there's a way of turning on your genetics, which we, we may talk about epigenetics, which actually turns on and turns off elements of your genetics that can provide you with better immunity. And again, I'm telling you that this is all encompassed in seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's all encompassed in coming together to care about others. You know, this is one thing we talked about in the last week's show that people hear that, oh, they're passing these laws and everything. I got to get out of Oregon. You know, like, where are you going? This is going to be federal too, eventually. The Spirit is upon us. Uh, and why are you running? Why aren't you coming together? Don't run apart. Run together. Come together with the, a desire to for righteousness and for helping one another and to caring about one another. This is this is the way. This is what Christ is saying. Sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start caring for one another as as you would want others to care for you. Stop creating the dialecting and dividing one another because of what you think about God. Let's get back to the basics of love, of faith, of hope, of charity. That is going to do more to cure you and protect you and protect your children than anything that I can come up with. So, anyway, and the fact is, is that when you start coming together and really start walking in the way, you're going to come up with ways of awakening your own immune system and the immune systems of your children. You will find cures that I haven't even thought of yet. I, the sight of me is certainly not your salvation. I don't think too many people think that. <laughs> you know, but people are always accusing us of being a cult. I'm saying I don't have the answers. I got some of the questions. But you're not asking the right questions. Ask the right questions, but let Christ give you the right answers. I'm giving you some of the facts you're not going to get on the 6 o'clock news, but, you know, take it or leave it, and most of you will. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, it was also during the, you know, like 1954, microbiologists were manipulating statistics concerning polio and misleading people. They, they were going down all kinds of uh, different avenues and coming up with all, you know, like I said, the aspirin thing. They were using aspirin to treat uh, the Spanish flu, and it was actually causing severe problems. A lot of deaths resulted from that medically prescribed treatment. And I could show you, actually on our vaccine site, I quote some of the sources of that treatment that came out of uh, military medical uh, policies as well as uh, private medical policies to take this aspirin, which was the worst thing in the world to take. So it was clear early on that the key to defeating polio was an effective Vaccine. That's what one guy came to the conclusion of. That's That was wrong. Because we know vaccines don't give you herd immunity because you can still be a carrier. I mean, whooping cough, you're still a carrier. Whooping cough vaccine does not give you lung immunity, and that's where a lot of the activity takes on in whooping cough. You can get the vaccine and still carry it to other people. Polio vaccines can still carry polio and actually introduce polio to the population Mandatory polio vaccine, mandatory all these vaccines can actually acerbate the problem and make things worse and worse and worse. And there's a lot of people that are more articulate than me that will tell you this. But you just simply have to go and find out what the truth really is. 
But you can't see the truth. Some of you can't handle the truth unless you're willing to see the truth about yourself. This is absolutely essential is to see the truth about yourself. And uh, so this means you have to be a certain amount of humility. Uh, You know, I'm not blaming the AMA. I'm not blaming the medical society. I'm not even blaming the news media. We individually need to see the truth. And the truth is, the world is not our salvation. We, We live in the world, but we're not of the world. People always say, well, I'm going to go home to heaven. No, you're supposed to bring heaven here. You're supposed to bring the Spirit of God here. If you're not willing to bring the Spirit of God here, which is to care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself, it is absolutely clear. And I said I'll talk about this. I, I, I think we have some time here to talk about it. So what are some of the symptoms that your children might be more susceptible to the side effects of immunization where they might get autism. Well, autoimmune, autoimmune diseases. One of the reasons why some people are totally against uh, vaccinations today is they already have one child in their family that has been vaccine injured. Again, most people who get vaccine injured never make a claim. They never, they never get paid. If they mention, if you mention autism as, you know, vaccine injury, they just throw your case out most, most of the time. Yet, something's causing all this autism. And there's actually a great deal of evidence. I mean, people say, well, correlation is not causation. Well, that's what I say. I have a whole section on correlation and causation on our vaccine page now. And uh, the the fact that they say vaccines have eradicated polio is based on, if you base it on correlation is not causation, that's not true. Because polio was almost eradicated before the vaccine came out. Like I said, you know, who eradicated Spanish flu? Spanish flu actually was three different strains that actually were occurring. And and they can now, they can go back. They've actually dug up frozen bodies of people that, you know, died of Spanish flu, which had nothing to do with Spain. The only reason that it was called Spanish flu is because most of the uh, reports of death and everything came out of Spain. Well, why was that? Because everybody else was censoring the news. (laughs) You know, like Google is trying to do now. They don't want you to know anything about uh, what the anti-vaxxers are saying. Which most of the people that they call, they just banned a book by a guy who gives, like, in his medical office, he gives hundreds of vaccines every month in his office. And his book was banned as an (laughs) anti-vaxxer. So, I mean, like, how do you get that? You know, it's banned from Amazon as an anti-vaxxer. And basically, he's just, he's just looking at the statistics and saying, well, some people are more vulnerable than others. I mean, if you have a set of triplets, they get a vaccine, 48 hours, they're all autistic. They were perfectly healthy before, then 48 hours later, they will, no eye contact, severe autism. Three, non-identical. That's, that's just correlation. That's not causation. That's what they say. Well, that, there's no proof that that was caused by the vaccine. But when you start seeing it in hundreds of cases, 
where kids are absolutely healthy one minute. They get a vaccine and within 24 hours, sometimes within a week, they're severely autistic. You say, well, that's just correlation. That's, that's not proving causation. We know neurological damage can take place with high fevers. It says right on the the uh, foldouts that come with the vaccine that high fever is a common reaction to receiving a vaccine. And we know that high fever can cause these uh, injuries to the gray matter, which can cause autism. That's his, that's his fact. That's his medical fact. But if you don't want to look at the facts, you're going to say, well, that's not proof. You know, it's like the guy who says uh, people thought that sugar was causing polio. No, they didn't. They thought that sugar was causing an effect on the immune system, which we know it does. We we can see it taking place. You could you could go get yourself a microscope and reproduce this experiment <laughs> in your own house. Uh, that that sugar in the form of ice cream, soda pop, all these things can lower your immune system temporarily. And if you were just exposed to a new strain of polio at the same time, yeah, you could get a more severe case of polio. Because those polio uh, uh, viruses will start to reproduce in your body. And the reality is even your guts, the bacteria in your guts can develop immunity. That's part of your immune system. There are multifacets to your immune system. And most vaccines only address really one. Vaccines don't cure anything. That's another thing people need to understand. Vaccines don't cure anything. Uh, Vaccines don't even eradicate polio. Or eradicate any disease. Herd immunity eradicates a disease. Its ability to move through the population. And the best way to obtain herd immunity is to get sick and get better. Naturally. Uh, Or to have, and when I say get sick, like I say, 95% of the people who got polio, they never even showed a symptom. And now with what we know about, you know, things like measles, There really doesn't need to be hardly any deaths of measles unless you already have autoimmune diseases, uh, diabetes, which is another thing that is reaching plague proportions. Why do people have all these things? Well, there's multiple reasons why uh, diabetes is on, on, on the rise. One of the major causes is diet. Another cause may be autoimmune diseases because autoimmune diseases can attack things like the pancreas. We know polio, some of the polio vaccines have caused the ones that were from the monkey virus, uh, contaminated with monkey viruses, has caused countless cases of cancer and killed people. So are we trading off, and you can, if, if you actually do this study, just what all I'm saying is don't just accept the idea. If you're, if somebody tells you, that polio vaccines eradicated polio, that is just factually wrong. There is no evidence that that is the case. There is clear evidence, admitted evidence by the medical society that they have caused polio with the vaccines. They have brought strains to areas that did not have those strains and contaminated the population. Once that 
that child has a live polio virus in them that is out of control and actually causing them to get ill and eventually be crippled, they can spread that polio vac- uh, disease to all kinds of other people. You know, if it is not the medical society that has ended these diseases. It is farmers and plumbers that have done more to eradicate, and your own personal immune system has done more to eradicate those diseases. That woman who was having all this great effective treatment of people with uh, paralysis, she came here and she was absolutely shocked at the medical treatment of people with paralysis. She said the the worst thing you could possibly do is to put their legs in braces. You need to have them use it because when they use it, you're improving circulation. Circulation is improving, uh, you know, the oxygen flow and and allowing the, the you know, dealing with the, the situation of free radicals, etc. in the body. And it, it promotes health. Use it or lose it. That's, that's just basic common knowledge. But many of the treatments that were being used for paralysis were the reverse of that. And so there's just a lot, a lot, a lot to learn about the immune system and how it works and how to improve your health. And again, the best way to learn that, because everybody's not going to read all the peer-reviewed papers that I've read in the last couple of weeks. I try, you know, I could have made the page that I, I created on vaccines. You know, I could have put 10 times the information that I put on there. I tried to just help you follow a line of reasoning and look at statistics. You know, we have a section there on the congressional record so you can actually read what was being said. Uh, you can read Salk's testimony, you know, what, what it amounted to. We didn't go through every single question and answer or anything, but you can actually see. And we talk about herd immunity. Uh, what is herd immunity? Herd immunity is when enough people in your community are immune to a particular pathogen that that pathogen cannot travel through your community. Okay, what is the most dangerous pathogen facing us today in the world? Selfishness. (laughs) That's it. Selfishness. How do you overcome selfishness? What is selfishness? Selfishness is the absence of of charity, just like darkness is the absence of light. You need to practice charity. People are going to be throwing up their hands all over the place saying, oh, he's talking about salvation by works. No. I'm talking about salvation by the blood of Jesus Christ. But you don't have access to the blood of Jesus Christ if you have the spirit of evil dwelling in you and controlling your actions. How would you know whether you have the spirit of evil influencing you? Do we have to wait till you're out there shooting all kinds of people and then put a gun in your mouth and kill yourself? Is that how we find out? No, there's a lot of little subtle ways of finding out whether or not you have the spirit of Christ in you. And one way to know that you may have the spirit of Christ in you is your generosity. That's one way of telling. But what is generous? Just giving to the poor, is that generous? You know, if I went out down the skid row, I could find somebody who looks like an alcoholic and I could give them a thousand bucks. Would that be generous? 
I might kill him. He might go on such a bender he would never survive. <laughs> so that is a, that is not strengthening the poor. So in order to strengthen the poor, you have to know what the poor's needs really are. So you have to really know the poor. You know, I have a whole article that somebody um, sent on the network. And I've looked at it. I was going to maybe do a, a show on what it was saying. But it was talking about people didn't, you know, when they talk about uh, altruism, they weren't talking about helping the poor. They were talking about helping people that they knew and and family members. Well, yeah, that's how you help the poor. You don't you don't help the poor by handing a hundred dollar bill out the window to a guy on the side of the street with a sign. That is probably not helping the poor. That is weakening the poor. You don't help the poor with with welfare programs. You help the poor by really getting to know the poor and helping them. It is altruism. But anyway, we'll be back to Keys of the Kingdom. So here, I'll, I'll read one little quote to you under our correlation is not causation. I actually had more written here at one point, but uh, I've decreased it for a variety of reasons, just so that we don't get too complicated. And so that you can understand this correlation, what that all means. Uh, correlation means there's evidence that something took place, but there's no proof of what caused that thing to take place. So correlation is not causation is what they always cry when you mention autism and vaccines. But the reality is we do have some causation. But it's not like you're going to have a dagger with fingerprints sticking on it and saying, you know, sticking out of the kid's head and says, oh, whoever stabbed him with this dagger is the cause of his autism. No, because it's just high fever that causes, you know, infectious and sometimes those High fever is actually evidence that there's an infection taking place. But it's the infection that damages the connections in the mind that causes autism. And can you restore those? Well, it's damage to the connection when you have polio that causes one limb to shrivel up because the muscles aren't being used. And, you know, it, it can become quite extensive. But if you start using those muscles, you can restore that. And it can get better and better and better. And also there can be compensation in the rest of your body to compensate the, those limbs that did become weak. But anyway, the quote I was going to read to you is, is according to the British Association for the Advancement of Science, childhood diseases decreased by 90% between 1850 and 1940 paralleling improved sanitation and hygiene practice and also probably diet well before mandatory vaccination programs. The Medical Sentinel recently reported from 1911 to 1935 uh, the four leading causes of childhood deaths from infectious diseases in the U.S. were diphtheria, pertussis, scarlet fever, measles, they were all in decline. However, in 1945, combined death rates from these causes had declined by 95% before the implementation of mass immunization programs. People say, oh, look, these immunization programs reduced and eradicated these diseases when they were actually on a decline. Now, what was causing them to decline? Well, 
Yes, improve sanitation and hygiene practices, but I'll tell you also, herd immunity. People were being exposed. Not only when you get exposed do you develop immunity. You can pass that immunity on to some degree and the ability, because there's genetic memory, the ability to overcome that disease in your own immune system can be passed on from generation to generation through natural means, through the placenta, through breastfeeding, through just association. Because immunity is contagious. It's not quite as contagious as some of the diseases, but you actually can impart immunity to others around you by association. Okay, look at this peril in parallel with the spirit. This is why you need to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. One of the reasons. Lots of reasons. Same reason there's lots of reasons to practice sanitation and good hygiene, which is why uh, Moses, when he freed the people from the bondage of Egypt, which most people are back in, by the way. I mean, bondage of Egypt, what was that? 20% of everything you produced, your work, your labor, in a given year had to go to the government. And you couldn't own your own land. You only had a legal title. In other words, you had livestock and land and and stuff, but it was actually owned by the government, and you were allowed to work that land. So therefore, you were probably taxed on that land as well. But basically, they just started with an income tax. In America today, do you have to work for free for the government for 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%? Uh, Ocasio-Cortez wants it to go up to 70%. You have to work for the government. You go to socialist, so-called socialist nations like Sweden, and they heavily tax the medium income people. And of course they do here because the tax is not just income tax. It's property tax, sales tax, gasoline tax. All these taxes is taking away from your labor and to support the Pharaoh's government. So you're back in the bondage of Egypt, but it's worse today than it was back then. Moses wanted you to go out of that. God said never to return to that way again. You have. You are now surety for death, which the New Testament warns you about. You're now literally human resources for that vast machinery because you've returned to the bondage of Egypt. And you curse your children with that debt every time they raise the debt ceiling. You're cursing your children with that debt. All this is because... You have been contaminated with the idea that it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods as long as you do it through government, which Christ forbid. And so if you're not willing to see that, you're not really willing to see Christ, his doctrines, his teachings. Because he says it was not to be that way. You weren't to be like the governments of the Gentiles who at that time were doing that. 200 years ago in America, we weren't doing that. We are doing that in America today. We're doing it in Australia. We're doing it in Canada. We're doing it, like I said, in Sweden. And it's breaking down the moral fabric, the the cultural virtue of society. You are you are setting you're you're dissolving your immune system to falsehoods, and you are being contaminated with a lie. And so what we're seeing in the physical world in the way of disease, because like I said, 1961, like Salk himself said in 1961, 
I have the quote right here on the uh, uh, on our vaccine page. Let's see if I can find it right here. Jonas Salk testified in 1976 uh, was uh, testified in 1976 was the principal, if not the sole cause, of all reported polio cases in the U.S. since 1961. The CDC admitted the same thing in 1992. So. That vaccine was uh, was the the principal, if not sole cause, of all reported polio cases in the U.S. since since 1961. And the CDC admitted this in 1992. And there's a there's a source. I actually should put a little bit more of the quote in there so you can you can follow it better. I, I have to put this stuff together. I give it, I put it together free. I give it to you for free. <laughs> but the truth is not free because it's going to cost you your delusion. And it's a little frightening to find out that, that, that vaccines are not your salvation. But then if you begin to see the whole truth of how things work. And, you know, I have a whole section there on the Spanish flu so you can kind of see how some of these things operate. You know, Karen uh, Starko proposed uh, in the journal Clinical Infectious Diseases that aspirin poisoning contributed substantially to the fatalities of the Spanish flu. Again, it's a contributing factor. You And it was because of the Surgeon General of the United States Army and the Journal of American Medical Association recommended very large doses of 8 to 31 milligrams of aspirin per day to these people whose immune system was already compromised, their lungs were already being attacked, and you're taking this aspirin, which caused weeping in the lungs and accumulation of fluid and uh, lung edema. And it was killing people. But the doctor said it was okay. Yeah, doctor was wrong. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so why did many of the cases disappear? Well, that was another thing is that there was under-reporting of cases after they introduced the vaccines because they became much stricter on what they would call polio and uh, what they would accept as that, that polio infection. 97.5% uh, of the vaccine-related deaths and uh, disabilities go unreported. That's just shocking that they go unreported. Implications about medical ethics aside, federal law directs doctors to report serious adverse events. But if you mention autism, oh, well, that can't be it because the science is settled on that. No, it's not. That Those are, you know, why don't you just go take 31 grams of aspirin per day? Because <laughs> doctors said to do it. It's not true. You're going to have to take the responsibility for yourself. And yes, you cannot study all, everybody cannot study all these things, but you don't really have to. If you start coming together and helping one another, sharing information, because you genuinely care. You see, you know, a lot of the people who don't want to be forced to vaccinate, they don't want to make laws prohibiting you from vaccinating. They're not trying to take away your right to go get vaccinated. They're just wanting to protect their children. And we know that some children are more susceptible to vaccine injury than others. Otherwise, you don't get triplets that all get sick within 
24 to 48 hours after getting a vaccine. That there was something genetic. Now that particular case, the somebody had screwed up in the making of that particular vaccine, and they eventually pulled it off the market because it was actually killing kids. The the kids who got autism were lucky they didn't die. But uh, there were others who were injured, lots of others. They they never were reported as a vaccine injury because of the fact that they did not file timely. You only have a limited time to file. And they didn't know that until it was too late and the time had run out. So, like I say, 97% of, of injuries go unreported. And yet we know there are billions of dollars worth of injuries taking place. But if you don't want to hear that, and you want to believe that vaccines are your salvation, that they will save you. They, doctors will keep you safe. Doctors are just human beings like anybody else. And we eventually talk about that in the, in the article. And you can read the article and go over it at a time. It actually needs some more proofreading as I look at it now. All, everything does. So most of my writing is done between <laughs> you know, 10 o'clock and 4 o'clock in the morning. 10 o'clock in the evening to 4 o'clock in the morning. Occasionally I get some stuff. I do a lot of research uh, in, in in between other things that I have to do. But uh, uh, yeah, I saw, just saw another uh, <laughs> typo. But anyway, we'll get to those eventually. Um, the, you need to start becoming responsible uh, for your own health, the fact is, is we can't. We're not looking to change the legislative minds of the government. We're looking to change the hearts of the people. Ultimately, that's where we have to go. We have to deal with the heart of the people, and the best way to do that is to deal with our own hearts and our own minds. And the best way to do that is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the, that's the way we are going to make the changes that we need to make in the world today. Is we change ourselves. And we allow ourselves to be changed. Again, by being born again. You cannot be free unless you're free of some of the ideas that you've accepted that just aren't so. Uh, Thomas Massey said, sometimes I want to blame my colleagues, but the longer I've been here, I'm ready to blame their constituents. People will vote for breads and circuses until the bread and circuses end, until the empire is destroyed. And that's that's pretty much where we're at, uh, that we're on this road. But you can turn around. That's what repentance is. It's turning around and going the other way. And going the other way is not hating those people who do not want to see the truth. It's loving the truth. You light a candle. You become the light. In order to talk to other people, just sometimes it's just little bits and pieces. You just throw out the breadcrumbs of truth. You know, you don't want to cast your pearls before swine, but when people say, you know, that... Vaccines have eradicated polio. You say, actually, they haven't. They're actually spreading polio. Congo, Syria, other places around the world, they are spreading polio. 
Oh, that's ridiculous, they'll say. Well, actually, you can cite the studies. You can cite the AMA. <laughs> you can cite the World Health Organization, who have admitted these things over here, but the, pub, the people aren't publishing it. You're, you're, again, depending upon the news people to inform you. No, you have to inform your neighbor. You can point out, look, I, I'm not telling you you can't get vac- vaccinated. I'm just saying that 95% of all these diseases that everybody's getting vaccinated for were already eradicated before the vaccines even came out. They were on a steep decline because you were already naturally developing herd immunity. And the science is, is really clear if you want to read it, although they will not tell you it, but it's right there in the text, that you cannot obtain herd immunity. The best way to obtain herd immunity is the herd develop a good immune system. And you do that by improving your diet. See, while we've improved sanitation, unfortunately, all that sanitation is completely dependent upon an electrical grid that could go down overnight. And then suddenly sewage is going into every river and stream uh, in the country. And uh, and people, you know, you lose the, the electricity, you've lost the plumbing, you've lost refrigeration, you lost the ability to process uh, foods. Now, one of the good things is you your processed foods will disappear rather rapidly because <laughs> there's no way to process them. But how do you get back to a good diet? What what do you do if these plagues are taking place, if there is no Google to Google it? You need to have a network of people who have been accumulating the knowledge and the information and the care for one another. Because they will come up and they'll say, well, wait a minute, your kid has measles, we have a measles epidemic, what do we need to do? What do we need to take? Do we have vitamin C? Where do you get vitamin C if you can't go down the store and buy it? Well... I can tell you, there's lots of places to get vitamin C, probably near your home, probably down the street. But do you know how to get that vitamin C? What about vitamin A? You, if you got measles, you need vitamin A. Or you could go blind. Your children could go blind. Do you know what, where to get vitamin A in nature? Uh, we don't have to go back to living like it was 1789 because they had these diseases back then. They didn't know what to do about them. You can have the knowledge and understanding and you will be able, you will be equipped if you come together in a networks of the tens, hundreds, and thousands like the early church with people who are practicing pure religion in the care for one another. If you can't do that, if you don't want to do that, if you object to doing that, I think you're in need of repentance. that's the evidence that you're giving me because that's what Christ said to do, commanded that we do. So you need to do that. You need to work towards that to become parts of these free assemblies that we call congregations. They're free assemblies. They're not corporations or anything. They're virtually sacred purpose trusts. And you get to determine how much you want to participate. As a matter of fact, we cannot rob you of that choice. We don't compel. We don't want to compel with guilt. We're just telling you this is the practical way to deal with the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, which we're seeing evidence of in the world today. Certainly the debt 
the rising of the debt ceiling every year, the billions and trillions of dollars worth of debt, that should give you a heads up. The instituting the rule of force and violence, like Polybius said, you know, that's already in place. This is not the first forced vaccination, but this is the, this is a forced vaccination that they're talking mandatory vaccination for a manufactured problem. You know, one of the things that the the, the people that are uh, actually doing the evil will be accusing everybody else of doing the evil. That's a typical evil thing to do. False accuser. That's what Satan was called, the false accuser. He will accuse other people of manufacturing emergencies while they are manufacturing emergencies. There was no outbreak, according to health organizations in Oregon, of measles. News was saying there was. Who gave them that information? Somebody called them up and said that. But if you get a hold of the health organization, they didn't say that. They actually said, no, don't send us your samples. There is no outbreak in Oregon. But you ask most people, they'll say, oh, yeah, they had all kinds of cases up in Portland. Well, actually, they didn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, But still, the governor's all ready to implement a deal that will isolate you. But pre-assemblies don't have to be isolated. Again, so what are some of the solutions? Yeah, well, of course, I, we're already advocating homeschooling. All my kids are homeschooled. They're all doing really well. They don't realize in every case how well they're doing because they were homeschooled. Uh, some of them have actually opted. At, uh, and, and we give them that opportunity, opted to send their kids to school. But eventually, we we hope that they will... And the reality is God will hold back information from some people because he wants to put them in a place where they can, they will face their, their in, seeking the kingdom of God is the most individual thing you can do. But it's something you need to do together with others. But you do them together with others as free assemblies, not as corporate bodies, not as cults. You know, that is trying to dictate what you can believe and what you can't believe. Uh, we're not we're not trying to do that. We want you to act upon what God is writing upon your heart and upon your mind. And that should come into conformity with some basic tenets of morality and culture. Uh, you know, commandment culture. You know, don't covet. Don't injure. Don't murder. Don't lie. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to your neighbor. Don't lie to one another. Don't bear false witness. If you go out and tell people that vaccines eradicated polio, that's false witness. There's no evidence that that actually took place. And there's a great deal of evidence that that didn't take place because polio was almost gone already. It, it was being eradicated. And, and then by 1961, all the cases are coming from the vaccine. <laughs> they're, not, they're not coming they're not coming from uh what they call wild polio when they say that wild polio most people use that term wild polio uh they don't even know what they're saying well where's the tame polio oh you got wild polio where's the tame polio that's what's in the vaccine <laughs> so but they people don't think these things out they don't they don't understand what the heck is going on and Forced vaccination is going to cause another right because when people are getting these vaccines and they're shedding 
these materials. They're also creating the situation where they can become altered. They can mutate. Almost all your flu viruses come out of northern China because northern China raises pork and waterfowl and people in close proximity. And normal flu viruses that are in waterfowl that people cannot get mutate so that it can jump from pork to fowl or fowl to pork and then to people. And then once the people get it, then they spread it to the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. And there are people out there ready to find a new strain and then start manufacturing a new vaccine to force you to get. And the reality, what you want to do is have an immune system. And Christ can give you that immune system if you follow the ways of Christ. And you can develop herd immunity. But the biggest herd immunity you want to develop is the herd immunity from unrighteousness. If you're going to be seeking righteousness, you have to be turning your back and become immune immune to unrighteousness. And it is unrighteous to implement the rule of force. Force in obtaining your welfare. Force in uh, obtaining care for one another. Force in mandatory vaccinations. Mandatory this. Mandatory that. Control. Manipulate. Etc. You do not want to be using, depending upon the courts, depending upon the government, to force your neighbor to comply to what you think he ought to do. You you need to seek that kingdom of God and his righteousness. And you need to sit down in the tens and hundreds and thousands as Christ commanded in order to do that. And until you're willing to do that, all I can say is peace upon your house and may God be with you. See you on the network. Join us at Preparing You or His Holy Church. There'll be a meeting in Florida shortly. We'll be back this afternoon. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.